Disney has been on a bumpy ride over the past couple years. Our colleague Robbie Whelan has been covering it. If Disney were a person on a haunted theme park ride, what would be some of the scary things that would be popping out of the bushes and making Disney scream? <laughs> yeah, imagine Disney is the, uh, the cart rattling through the Indiana Jones adventure. And um, it's going along, and, and uh, suddenly the lights go dark. And then you start seeing various boogeymen jumping out from behind a wall and saying, boo. Disney has faced one boogeyman after another. It got in a fight with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis over the state's so-called don't say gay law. A couple of its animated films bombed at the box office. Fans are upset that Disney raised theme park prices twice last year. Disney's stock has fallen dramatically. And late last year, the company fired its CEO. And Disney's most recent scare came from a man named Nelson Peltz. He's what's known as an activist investor. What it means is he buys up big stakes in companies, and then he advocates for change, either by joining the board himself or by suggesting people to be added to a company's board of directors who he thinks will make changes that will improve the company's business. This is exactly what Nelson Peltz wanted to do with Disney. Shake it up. It's very uncomfortable for Disney. You can count on one hand, basically, the times that Disney has been challenged by activist shareholders. And so they're used to being the big dog in the media world. They're a very, very powerful company. And so the notion that somebody who runs a fund or, or one or two people could challenge that, that dominance, that, that primacy, is very uncomfortable for them. Disney is not used to this sort of challenge. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, February 16th. Coming up on the show, Disney Wars, Attack of the Activist Investor. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. The man going after Disney, Nelson Peltz, has been around Wall Street for a long time. Nelson Peltz is an 80-year-old investor who made his name in the uh, 80s and 90s as a corporate raider, as somebody who took companies private, revamped them, and then sold them. In recent years, over the last two decades or so, he's become what's called an activist investor. Here's Peltz in an interview with Bloomberg last year. What we see is we see really companies that we think were once great have lost their way and that we have a plan for them to get back to greatness again. And that's what we do. What's in it for people like Nelson Peltz to do this kind of work? Like, what's the activist investor business model exactly? Well, so activist investors, their, their business model is they buy a bunch of stock and then once they 
succeed in making these changes to a company, presumably the stock's going to go through the roof and they're going to sell that position in stock and make a huge profit on the difference between what they bought it for and what they sold it for. That's generally the activist investor business model. So there's kind of this like natural predator prey relationship between activist investors and, and the companies that they target. Last year, Pelt saw a new opportunity, the happiest place on earth. Disney's woes came to a head last November when it reported quarterly financial results. There were some very troubling numbers. In particular, the company had lost almost a billion and a half dollars that quarter on streaming alone. And that was much wider a loss than than Wall Street had expected. Disney, the company, plummeting another 13%. As you can see, missing on key numbers across the board after reporting earnings last night. The only the stock thing- price falls by about 13% in a day. It's one of the biggest declines in Disney's share price ever. Less than two weeks after the company reported those results, Disney fired its CEO, Bob Chapek, and brought back his predecessor, Bob Iger, who had run the company for about 15 years. Nelson Peltz was watching all this go down. Disney looked like a mess, and its stock price had fallen dramatically, which, for an activist investor, could mean a ripe opportunity. So, Peltz bought up more than $900 million in Disney shares, And Robbie says he started telling people close to him he wanted to see changes. If you could compare Nelson Peltz to a Disney character, who would it be? (laughs) Oh my God, Ryan. (laughs) Um, Jafar? Is he Jafar? Jafar, the guy in Aladdin with the little bird. (laughs) You know, one thing that Jafar does that's kind of interesting is that he sort of do you remember how he kind of hypnotizes the Shah? Yes. And, and tries to sort of influence how the kingdom is run. Perhaps I can divine a solution to this thorny problem. He's this outsider who wants to have power and influence over the decisions that Disney makes. As an activist investor, the main goal is to bring up the company's stock price. And Peltz now owned a ton of Disney shares. So as a shareholder, your number one concern is how much return on your investment you're getting, how well the stock price is doing. And he pointed, it was very easy for him to point at Disney's share price, and it just sort of felt to most Disney shareholders like they weren't getting a lot of bang for their investment in Disney. And he joined that chorus. To bring up the stock price, Peltz wanted to see some cost-cutting. And he thought executives were being paid too much. For example, there was an executive who worked at Disney for less than four months, and under his contract, he received more than $8 million in compensation. Peltz also criticized Disney's streaming strategy, which was losing money. And he expressed concern over the company's lack of a CEO succession plan. In January, Peltz nominated himself to the company's board of directors and asked other shareholders to vote for him. He officially launched what's known as a proxy battle. The proxy battle playbook is essentially, it's like, it's like an electoral campaign. It's like running for president or, or governor or senator. You know, you, you, you have to sort of make your case. Here's what I'm going to change. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how smart I am. And here's my track record of, of how I've improved companies in the past. And you have to develop a narrative that people, that makes people want to vote for you. So you really, you can't win a proxy battle without convincing the biggest investors to, to vote your way. Why are companies so uh, fearful of proxy battles? 
Well, for one thing, they're a huge distraction. If you're a CEO or a chair of the board, you want to spend your time making the company better, you know, on, on the hiring and the firing and the green lighting of, of projects. And you don't want to have to get on an airplane and fly to New York and try to convince all of your biggest shareholders that they should still remain on your team and not go with this new guy who's challenging the company. And perhaps most important, you might just not want to give up the influence that you have over a company. So if I'm the CEO or if I'm a board member or chairman of a company, I mean, there's kind of like this indignant sense that you get, you know, who is this person coming trying to tell me how to run the company? I know how to run this company. After the break, Disney strikes back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. After Peltz launched his proxy battle, Disney had to respond. And the way they respond is really interesting. They file a proxy statement of their own to counter him. And in it, they focus on this guy, this new character who has entered the scene. And it's a guy named Ike Perlmutter. According to Disney, Ike Perlmutter is a man with an axe to grind. For years, Perlmutter ran Marvel Studios, the company behind Iron Man and the Avengers movies. After Disney bought Marvel in 2009, Perlmutter and Iger didn't always see eye to eye. And eventually, Iger stripped Perlmutter of much of his power. So in a space of a few years, Perlmutter goes from being this incredibly powerful guy at the head of Marvel's movie-making operation and TV operation. He's the Marvel guy. But in a few short years, he gets relegated to this kind of sideline role where he's just the chairman of Marvel. He doesn't have much to do with the movies or the TV shows at all. And he is spending most of his time at his, you know, in his home in Palm Beach, Florida, kind of watching from afar as Marvel Studios grows into this like total powerhouse of movie making and makes scads of money for Disney. So th- this is the rift between Ike Perlmutter and Bob Iger. He's never let this go exactly. He's never had a good relationship with Iger since then. Perlmutter is one of Disney's biggest individual shareholders. And while he doesn't get along with Iger, he does get along with Peltz. Nelson Peltz, he's a longtime friend of Ike Perlmutter's. They're neighbors in Florida. They overlap on politics. They, you know, they go out to dinner all the time with their wives. One thing the two men have in common is their passion for keeping costs down. Colleagues have told stories of Perlmutter fishing paper clips and worn down pencils out of the trash for reuse. And he once demanded that a scene in the movie Iron Man be shot with only three Humvees instead of the 10 that the script called for. 
And like Peltz, Perlmutter was also concerned about Disney's spending. Disney published a, a timeline as part of their proxy materials that showed that Nelson Peltz and Ike Perlmutter, his friend, had been reaching out to the company since at least July of last year, dozens of times, dozens of points of contact, calling up board members, calling up executives and saying, look, you gotta add Nelson to the board. Perlmutter was using his connections, working all of his connections from his years spent at Disney to sort of influence this, this debate. And so what happened was what, there formed this kind of collaboration between these two men to sort of really shake up things at Disney and really change its board. In its filing, Disney also said Peltz didn't understand the company's business and didn't have the skills or experience necessary to join the board. And the company said it was already working on big strategic changes. Then, last week, Disney had another earnings call, the first one since Iger returned. He announced a major reorganization of the company and said he was making changes at the executive level. And perhaps more important, he said Disney's going to cut $5.5 billion from its budget and they're going to lay off 7,000 people. Big cuts, like big dramatic cuts. That's, that's about 3% of Disney's workforce. It's about one-sixth of what Disney spends on content every year he said he's going to slash. Suddenly, uh, the spending is going gonna, is gonna to really decrease. Did, did Iger explicitly address Nelson Peltz's campaign? You know, he, he, he didn't at first. I think that he really didn't want it to seem as though an activist investor was coloring any decision that he made. But then the next day, he went on CNBC in the morning and he gave this interview. He was asked about Peltz and he was asked about Perlmutter. You surprised that Ike Perlmutter, somebody obviously, I mean, you bought Marvell, has been so involved with trying to get Peltz on the board. Is there a feud between the two of you, perhaps, that's fueling this? Well, I think that's a, that's a curious dynamic. That, um, and he was very candid. He said, you know, I think that Ike Perlmutter and I have, have been on shaky ground since 2015. And so I moved the movie-making operation of Marvel out from under Ike into the movie studio so under, under that, Alan that Horn. created some ill will, you think? Well, you'd have to you'd have to ask Ike about that, but uh, I, let's put it this way: he was not happy about it, and I think that unhappiness um, exists today. Has Perlmutter responded to the things Iger said in that interview? So Perlmutter, he's a very private guy. He does not like to air his dirty laundry um, in public, but. My reporting, um, talking to people who kind of know how he thinks and knows what he's thinking and feeling, has indicated that he, um, it's true that he's still got some beef with Bob Iger. He, they don't have a great relationship now, but he does not feel like this campaign and the changes that he was pushing for were motivated by any kind of personal grudge. He truly just wanted to see Disney stop spending so much money. Last Thursday, after Iger's interview on CNBC, Peltz called into the same network. Management at Disney now plans to do everything that we wanted them to do. Even though he didn't get the board seat he wanted, Peltz announced that he was backing off, and the proxy fight was over. We wish the very best to Bob, his management team, the board. We will be watching. We will be rooting. How surprising is it for an activist investor to to pull back so quickly. 
I think it's very rare for for a confrontation like this to get to the point of a proxy battle with actual proxy statements filed with the SEC, an actual campaign of outreach to shareholders that's already begun. To see something like that ended on a dime is very rare, I believe. In other words, this fight had gotten very serious very quickly, and to be pulled back from that level of seriousness was very dramatic, very surprising, and and, and pretty unusual. So what does this say about where Disney is right now as a company? I mean, they've sort of vanquished this villain. They've they've dealt with Jafar. But are the company's problems solved? Of course they're not, Ryan. Of course they're not all solved. Jafar has been, yeah, just Jafar has been locked in the cave in the desert for now. Uh-huh. But Disney still has to follow through. I mean, they still have to make these cuts. They still have to demonstrate that they have a newfound spending discipline. They have to keep coming up with hit shows and, and, and hit movies. And they have to stop the bleeding in their streaming business. One telling sign is that Peltz has not yet sold his shares. He still owns Disney stock. And Disney's share price has not risen very meaningfully since he ended the campaign. I mean, they're up on the year and they seem to be trending upwards in terms of their stock price. But, but that's what these guys are interested in. They're interested in a big bounce in the stock price and they're interested in seeing changes that have been announced actually followed through upon. They still have a lot of work to do to kind of get the company back on solid footing. And we'll have to wait and see. all for today, Thursday, February 16th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Teo Francis, Lauren Thomas, and Eric Schwartzel. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.